from the Word of God, 2 Corinthians, 5th book, verses 1 through 10. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So I talked earlier about how kids today miss out on the great prizes in the cereal boxes. But you know what else kids miss out on today? How tough it was going to the dentist. Come on, it was a lot rougher back in the day. It's way easier now. Back then, you know, it, it could be pretty painful. Not to make dentists bad guys or anything, but it was just painful back then. And the only thing that gets you through sometimes is knowing that at the end, there would be a big basket of prizes that you could reach down into and pull something out that was worth a penny. Maybe you got two or three, but the prize made it possible to endure the, the pain, at least a little bit, right? I mean, here we are, we're in, we're in 2 Corinthians, we ended chapter 4 talking about the prize that is to come, focusing on heaven, enables us to endure all the adversity and affliction we got to go through on this earth, that everything we're going through here, it, the suffering is light, it's momentary in comparison to the eternal weight of glory, and so we can endure all those troubles here and now if we stay focused on that, you know, all the, all the, all the suffering that we got to go through, we don't have to fear that, we don't have to fear death, because we know there's something better at the end. So we're not going to give up, no matter what, we're going to keep going, we're going to keep faithful, we're going to keep serving, we're going to keep sharing the message of Christ, because not only are we going to heaven, we want to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. So now we get to chapter 5. And there's even more to look forward to. There's the prize of having a resurrection body, a new and better body. We're looking forward to that because these bodies we got right now are fragile. They're decaying. They're dying. How many would like a better body? You ready to trade in? You ready for a new, better body, right? It would be amazing that we don't have to put up with these bodies. Because look, you can be at the peak of physical perfection right now, but it's only temporary because these bodies are slowing down. They're winding up. They're wasting away, they're falling apart, they're fading out, they're decaying. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you do, it's going to happen. I mean, take care of your body. I mean, do what you can to make it healthy, eat right, exercise, prolong your life, but you're still going to die. It's inevitable that these bodies are going to wear out. Again, even if you're at the top of your game right now, your life could be taken from you in a moment. Life is very fragile. It could be gone like that with an accident, with one bad bite of food, and, and it's gone. Some of you right now might be staring death in the face, and this is very real to you. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of medical coverage you got, whatever care you've got, all that can do is stall it for a while, but that's okay. We don't have to dread death. 
because we know it's coming. And so until then, we're going to make every moment count. We're going to use it for God to give him glory, to please him, because that's what our lives are all about. Whether we live, whether we die, we're going to please the Lord. It gets us through these present difficulties focused on that. Because there's really just, there's something in everybody that makes us want to live forever. Isn't that true? We're always looking for that mythical fountain of youth. How can we prolong our lives? And all the science fiction out there has been about how can we become immortal? I think that's a new Marvel series coming out. The Immortals or the Eternals, it's all the same thing. I kind of checked out after Iron Man died. You know, but anyway, we've got, the, the, we've got this desire to be immortal. But you know what? Science fiction often becomes real science. Real science is trying to prolong our lives through robotics, through prosthetics, through technology. I mean, they're trying to turn us into the $6 million man and the, the bionic woman, right? I don't know if you saw this news story a couple weeks ago about the youngest, second youngest college graduate ever. He's an 11-year-old boy from Belgium who just graduated with his bachelor's in physics. I mean, second only to a 10-year-old in America who graduated with a bachelor's in anthropology at 10. But this young man, uh, his name is Lawrence Simons, could have actually graduated at age nine, but the officials refused to let him graduate before his 10th birthday. Can you imagine that? Nine years old with a physics degree. So what are his plans? Well, it's to get his master's degree this fall. And he told a Dutch magazine this. He says, quote, immortality is my goal. I want to be able to replace as many body parts as possible with mechanical parts. I've mapped out a path to get there. Quantum physics. The study of the smallest particles is the first piece of the puzzle. Anybody sensing a future Bond villain there? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. God created us already with these perfect bodies in the garden. He put us in this paradise, Adam and Eve. We're at the peak of physical capacity. They had it all, but God warned them, if you sin, if you rebel, if you reject me, then you're going to die. And sure enough, when they sinned, they fell under the curse. They had to leave paradise, leave heaven on earth, and enter into a fallen world of suffering, of decay, of death. None of that is what God wanted for us, but those are the consequences. So look, I wish young Lawrence Simons the best, but sorry, you are not going to be able to play God and reverse the curse. We're still going to live under the curse. Think of this. We think people are evolving, getting better with time. But do you realize we've actually been devolving? We have been getting worse. We started out at the top in the garden. And ever since then, things have gotten worse. Now, science has been able to mitigate some of the causes of aging and suffering. And we've seen a little bit of reverse. And but look, our, our lifespans are still short. Our bodies are still failing. We've got all these biological problems. And we try to replace and we try to correct through all these different procedures. And we're very grateful for them. But we're never going to be able to reverse the curse. We're going to be living under the effects of sin. As much as we try to correct the effects, we're still going to be dealing with this. Because think about it. Long ago, God allowed people to live for hundreds of years. You know that. Hundreds of years. Can you imagine the environment, the, the, the atmosphere back then when you could live hundreds of years? Uh, and what, what would the world be like today if we still lived for hundreds of years? I mean, it would get pretty overcrowded, right? Already you got people saying, oh, there's too many people, it's overpopulated. And yet those same people never say, you know what, I'll just go ahead and not live as long. They always want to prolong their own life because that's our, our innate desire. 
We want to live as long as we can. But we get to Moses in Psalm 90, and he says God kind of flipped the switch on that whole hundred years thing. He says now the years of our life are just 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. That's generally true, isn't it? I mean, it's getting a little bit better now, but that's about the neighborhood we're in. Yet, their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone, and we fly away, right? Because aging itself is the disease. It's part of the curse. Our bodies are vulnerable. They're susceptible. And because it says life is marked by what? Toil and trouble. It's tough. And then we die. This flies away. And Paul knew that by experience. Because this is a guy who had gone through all kinds of suffering for Christ, right? He had been beaten, he had been imprisoned, he had been stoned nearly to death. So this is a guy who's not just speculating on this stuff. This is, these are pro tips from an expert in this stuff on how to deal with difficulties. And he compares our bodies to tents. You know, you set up a tent and then you take down a tent. It's very portable, very mobile, temporary, right? I mean, up and down. It, it, reflects back on the Old Testament. You know how the people of God, the Israelites, had a tabernacle, which was the tent where everybody went to meet with God. And they needed it to be a tent so that they could set it up and tear it down. They wandering around the wilderness. They needed to make it mobile, right? But a tent is still temporary. It's made of canvas and, and wood and other things that can rot. Eventually, God allowed them to trade in that temporary mobile tabernacle for a permanent house, the temple, because they had finally gotten to their homeland. And so they build this beautiful building to reflect the splendor of God with uh, beautiful stones and metals. And so that's kind of the picture of our bodies is right now we're living in the tabernacle. This is the tent. And uh, we're just on a, we're on a camping trip through this world. We're just tourists, right? We're strangers and aliens just passing through. This isn't our permanent home. Some of y'all love camping. I'm sorry, I just don't get it. Come on, I mean, I did it. I did it once, and that's all it took. I've never done it since, because it is no fun setting up someone's borrowed tent at night in the rain with my one Chevette headlight trying to guide me on what to do. It was miserable. And come on, it's made of, of nylon, canvas. It's so flimsy. It's so vulnerable. I mean, wind can knock it down. Weather can blow it away. Animals can, can attack you right there in that tent. And it's not comfortable at all. The closest I want to get to roughing it is a three-star motel. That, camping is, is awful. But it's all we got. We're just camping out in this world. Life is not secure. It is not stable. It is fragile. It is easily collapsed. One day we're going to trade in this tent for an upgrade to something way better, way more permanent, this resurrection body that is fit for eternity. Doesn't that give you confidence then in this world? That, okay, I can go ahead and I can live full out for God. I can go all in for God because I've got this body to, to serve Him in. And Jesus showed the body is good. Through the miracle of the incarnation, God came and took on human flesh. God in a body. And He showed our bodies are good, which is what... A lot of other religions and, and, and cults teach just the opposite, that the body is bad, that it's evil, that it's something to be escaped. Gnostics and Hindus and Buddhists and other spiritualists say, you've got to get out of this inferior body so that you can be a part of just the pure spiritual realm where you can just be a, a part of the cosmos or whatever. That's not true. Jesus took on human flesh. 
it was good, but it was limited, right? And he went through the same kinds of suffering that we do, the hunger and the pain. And of course, he went through the whippings and, and the scourging and having his hands and feet nailed, thorns on his head. He went through all this bodily pain for us in our place. And then he conquered all that, all that suffering and death through his bodily resurrection. He came out of that tomb in the same body he went into, but now it was a glorified body, a better body, okay? One that, that was fit for eternity. So without that resurrection, we would have no hope for eternal life. There would be no prize to look forward to after this dentist chair that we're in. We've got something better. In fact, Paul says this in Philippians 3. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, heaven is our goal, and to get there, our goal is to please God. And our big idea is to claim the prize, to live confident lives that please Him. Life is all about pleasing God, so we can claim that prize he has for us. And yet still in this fallen world, we're going to experience discomfort and disease and disabilities and de deformities and death. Romans 8 speaks of the redemption of our bodies. One day our bodies are actually going to be redeemed. And, and here in 2 Corinthians, he says, until then, we're going to be in these bodies and we're groaning and we're burdened. Because these are not the bodies that we were meant to have forever. These bodies are, are experiencing the effects of sin. And so we're groaning in these bodies. And at times you may be groaning so much that you desire death. You may get to your lowest point and you're thinking about suicide because you're like, Lord, it's just too much. Life is too painful. This is too difficult. Just take me out, Lord. I, I don't want to go on living anymore. Uh, You've you got you to gotta just take me out of this world. Put me out of my misery. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're struggling with this kind of stuff and you're barely hanging on. And I want to encourage you, don't give up. And life ain't over yet. God's got you here for a reason. God hasn't abandoned you. God's still here. And if he's got you here, then you're here for a reason. I don't know what it is, but he's keeping you here, which means he's going to be with you and he's going to give you strength to make it through whatever you've got to go through, keep you going. Be faithful because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And if he's in you, then you can overcome as well. It's just that right now, you're focused on the here and now and you can't see the future, this unseen future that is so much better that God has for you. Until then, Paul says, we're going to go on in this body. We long to be clothed. We don't want to be found naked, which is like the classic nightmare. You've had that, right? Where you, you dream you're, you show up in your classroom naked or you show up at work naked or... Hopefully you don't never dream of showing up to church naked. But, right, it's like, oh, that would be an awful thing. And what is he talking about? He's talking about when we die, it's like we're naked. It, it, spiritually, we go to be with the Lord. We're at home with the Lord. It's wonderful. It's paradise. But it's not the full experience yet. We're in this intermediate state, this waiting room that we call heaven right now. But it's not the final place that we are going to be because we don't have our, our new bodies yet. I mean, Jesus makes clear that when he returns, that's when we're going to get our new bodies. Those who have already died are going to return with Jesus, and that's when they'll receive those resurrection bodies. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4. I love to read this passage at funerals. 
I mean, it's hard enough to go through a funeral as a Christian. I don't know how people do it when that person is not a Christian because there's nothing to look forward to. But this is our hope. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who don't have hope. Okay, so he's talking about death is sleep, but don't misunderstand. It's not that our spirits or souls are asleep. It's our bodies that are asleep. Our souls are completely conscious and aware and experiencing either paradise with the Lord or torment apart from the Lord, but that's not our final state. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So those who are already with the Lord right now, they're going to return at the second coming. Their bodies are going to be springing out of the ground. Flesh will be attached to bone. It will be spiritual transformed, glorified. Ashes will begin to swirl into bodies again. And Paul goes on and says, then we who are alive, so if Jesus came back right now, this is us, we who are left, we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words, which is what we're doing right now. I want to encourage you that it, it, if you're in Christ, if he came back today, you're going you're gonna to experience joy forever, the, the paradise of, of heaven. And, you know, back in the old days, we used to say, next time I see you, I know I'm going to see you again. It's never goodbye. I'm just going to see you here, there, or in the air. You know, on the way up, here, there, or in the air. We know we're going to see each other. So if he comes back right now, we would not even have to experience death at all. Our bodies would be caught up, completely transformed, glorified in the twinkling of an eye. Why? So that he can take us out of this present physical world, and these bodies are fit for this present world right now, but he's going to destroy it, create a new heavens and a new earth, and we'll have new bodies that will be fit for the eternal state. You know, it, it, it makes me think of the, the classic Disney movie, Beauty and the Beast. Let me show you the clip of that. You might remember the... picture and I think I have to say I think women like that movie a lot more than men isn't that true women love that movie I've never met a woman who doesn't love that movie and I think it's because you guys think I, I can fix him he's a beast but I know with my love I can turn him around right and it's, it's true <laughs> we're living in these bodies that are okay we can live in them but this isn't the final state yet and yet sometimes we get so focused on this world, we forget about how amazing it's going to be in this new body. We, we think, oh, I don't want Jesus to come back today. Not today, because I want to get married first. I want to have a honeymoon first. I want to have kids first. Uh, I want my kids to grow up and have kids. I want them to be successful. I want to be able to travel the world and retire and be successful and all that. And that's all good stuff. But that's all just temporary. That's not the prize 
Something so much better is in store for us. Let's not get distracted by the, the things of this world and forget to long for that and to groan for what God has for us. So much better than we can imagine in this world. Now, why are we confident that's going to happen? Well, first, because of Jesus' resurrection, because he rose, we're going to rise as well. And secondly, because of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has been given to us as a deposit, that is, a down payment, guaranteeing what is to come. Romans says, if you have the Spirit of God within you, then the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. That's what we count on, is that the Spirit right now is dwelling in us to empower us to live in this life here, but He's going to empower us in death to live forever. Go back to the classic passage in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15. He says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What's sown perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. Let's face it, your body does a whole lot of dishonorable, disgusting, embarrassing things right now. Well, but no more, it's going to be completely honorable. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. Wouldn't you love to feel strong again? like when you were young, at your peak, but here we are, every year we grow older, we're losing more and more muscle mass, we're losing, we're, we stop producing all those hormones, the metabolism slows down, we grow more brittle. Guys, I'm shrinking. I've already lost like three quarters of an inch. That's what happens when, when you get old, you just start shrinking. And you, you just don't have the energy and the ability you used to. I would love to be able to run and jump and play tennis like when I was young. Well, actually, I like to play tennis a lot better than when I was young. But riding a skateboard was awesome. I, you, I could fall down all day long, no problem. Today, it terrifies me, the thought of crashing on a skateboard. It would hurt so much. Wouldn't you like to have a strong body full of energy and stamina? I can't even stay up past midnight anymore. That's the effects of the curse is we're all winding down. But Paul goes on, look, it's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood can't enter the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. It used to be a mystery, but it's not any longer because from ancient times, people knew that when you die, your body is gone. It dissolves. It goes away. And so, Religions and philosophers would speculate about what happens to your spirit or your soul, that it goes someplace, that it, it, it goes to another place or it comes back in another way or you just melt into the cosmos in some way. But nobody was saying that you come back in your actual body again. That's the mystery that has been revealed. And we're not talking about just a reconstruction of your body. Yes, there is continuity it's still you, it's still your body, but it has been changed from the one suited for this world to one that is suited for the world that is to come. He goes on to say, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and will all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, this mortal body must put on immortality. Doesn't that sound good? That's something to look forward to. I mean, how many of you right now would trade in your body for that? I would. Absolutely. A new one. And we spend so much time on just trying to keep these bodies going. We, we put in all this effort in, into, you know, exercise and, and, and eating healthy, and I hate every moment of it. 
But you got to do it. We spend so much time concealing and camouflaging, you know, and, and compressing everything, nipping and tucking everything to keep these bodies going. And we're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. And the more we focus on these bodies, the, the more selfish and greedy we are, the more stressed and depressed we are because we're never going to be satisfied with these bodies. And all we think about is making ourselves more comfortable, avoiding anything uncomfortable, living for pleasures and, and pain-free life, and it's just not going to happen. You're going to get sick. Some of you are chronically ill. You, you, some of, we just wake up hurting from just sleeping. Broken bones, bad backs, bad knees, ulcers, diabetes, high blood pressure, asthma, allergies, uh, arthritis, autoimmune disease, fibromyalgia, COPD, I mean, kidney stones, syndromes, cerebral palsy, debilitating migraines, degenerative arthritis, debilitating uh, disabilities and dementia, mentally ill and challenged, not to mention heart disease, cancer, tumors. If you haven't been feeling well for a while, you're probably looking forward to this more than most of us. I can hardly wait for the new body that Jesus is going to bring me. No more aches in the, in the back and the knees and the hips. No more nausea. No more knots in the stomach or tension in the neck. I mean, no more... No more of those kind of problems. And frankly, I would like to put out of business doctors, pharmacists, physical personal trainers, and nutritionists. I like to put out of business paramedics and dentists. Y'all are great guys. Love y'all. Thank you. But y'all need to be put out of business because I don't want to have to deal with that anymore. No more pills or injections or pain creams or treatments or surgeries. No more worry or stress or grief or crying. That's all in the past. The blind will see, the, the deaf will hear, those in, with walkers and wheelchairs will be running. The old and frail will be made young and, and strong again at the peak of, of capacity. Intensified, multiplied, total healing, extreme makeover. It's going to be incredible. Isn't that what we've been longing for since we were kids? To be superhuman. Don't we long for those kinds of powers to, to defy gravity, to fly, to manipulate matter, to have a supernatural, superhuman energy and, and agility and heightened senses, to be invincible? That's why we love superheroes. Now, in, in ancient times, they attributed those things to the gods and the goddesses, right? The mythological beings, which it's thought that people did that because that's what they wanted to, to do. They long for those kinds of abilities, but they can't do them, or at least they can't do them yet. Today, we just give them names like Thor and Wonder Woman and Captain America and Superman because we love to be able to do that. We want to have these invincible mutant bodies that are powerful. And I, I believe that kind of longing comes from God. And, and if God gave us those kinds of longings, doesn't it make sense that he would make good on them someday? I mean, think about what Jesus was able to do in his body. He was able to manipulate matter. He healed bodies. He raised the dead. He multiplied fish and loaves. He could kill a bush with a word. 
I mean, those are, those are incredible powers. We call them miracles. And he even said, look, if you have faith, you can say to a mountain, move, and it will move. That's manipulating matter, isn't it? Now, after he rose from the dead, he had that new body, glorified body. And he could still be touched. He could still eat. But now we see Jesus coming and going at will, materializing and dematerializing, right? displaying intangibility, that he's walking through walls. You know, physical space and distance wasn't, wasn't an obstacle for him anymore. And who's to say we're not going to be able to do those kinds of things too? In fact, who's to say Jesus couldn't have done that in his regular body? Because look, he walked on water in that body, didn't he? In fact, Peter walked on water in this kind of body. So imagine what we can do with our new bodies. That yes, why not be able to teleport from one place to another? Or to be able to fly like the angels. We won't be angels, but we can fly. And we won't need any superhuman powers to negate the effects of living in a fallen world. We'll be in a perfect world. We'll already be immortal. We won't need invincibility from anything. John's first letter says that when, when Jesus appears, we're going to be like him because we'll see, we'll see him as he is. Now, look, we're not going to be godlike in the sense that we're omniscient or omnipotent or omnipresent. We're not going to be omni-anything because only God is God, pure, unlimited spirit. But who's to say we're not going to be able to do these incredible powers in these new bodies? Doesn't that give you confidence in this world to live full out for God, knowing what's ahead? Claim the prize to live confident lives that will please him. Because whether you're in this body or in the body to come, your goal in life is always to please God. Are you living to please God or to please yourself? What's my goal? To please God. What's your goal? To please God. Period. You know, when both my sons were in school, whether they'd be walking out the door in the morning or they'd be getting out of the car, I would often tell them, represent. Represent, which hopefully they got what I meant. <laughs> you're not only representing yourself, you're representing your family, and more than that, you're representing the Lord. Represent Him well. Are you representing the Lord well? Or are there need to be some things that you change in order to please Him? Because the way you're living is not very pleasing to Him right now. What do you need to do differently? You know, eventually, we're all going to appear before the Lord on Judgment Day, before the judgment seat of Christ, to receive what we deserve, what is due for us, whether good or bad, what we've done in the body. And we know we've all done bad things in this body. And we're going to be held to account for that. We, every action we've taken, every idle word we've spoken, every secret will be exposed. What do we deserve for that? So think about your future. Do you know for sure where you would go if Jesus came back today? Or if you dropped dead today, do you know what would happen to you? Nothing is more important than that. You know, one day this tent is going to be taken down. What do you have to look forward to? Judgment is coming. It's not an idle threat. You're going to stand before the Lord. And he's giving you a choice right now before it's too late to choose death or to choose life. To be with him or apart from him. This is both a warning and an invitation. Don't miss out on the prize that is to come. Don't trade all that in for the stuff of this world. Because, yes, as Christians, we're going to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. But it's not to judge 
our works in terms of whether we're getting in or not. We already know we're in because of Christ, because of His grace. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. But we're getting into heaven based on our trust in Jesus. And the good works we do in this body are not in order to get into heaven. It's we do them because we're in Christ and we want to be like Him. And they're the fruit, the evidence, the proof of being Christian. So Judgment Day for us is going to be a determination of our reward. What kind of prize are we going to get? So this, this hope we have isn't just some sort of futuristic, escapist kind of wish, this pie in the sky, oh, it's going to be wonderful. This is what helps us to live for God right here and now, to get through the troubles and toils of this world. And, and even though we're, we're homesick for heaven, and it would be far better to be at home with the Lord than to be here at this world, He's got us here for a reason. He's got work for us to do. And you think, well, okay, why doesn't He tell me more about heaven? I want to know so much more. I have so many questions. I think that if he were to tell us any more, that's all we would think about. We would be so obsessed with heaven. We would be so heavenly-minded, we would be of no earthly good. So let's, let's, let's keep focused on our work here, but ultimately focused on there. And I can't prove heaven exists, but I trust completely that Jesus is preparing a place for me there and for you too. I don't have to doubt it. You don't have to doubt your salvation. But if you do, if you're unsure about where you stand with the Lord, I want you to claim a couple of promises today. Let me give them to you. Romans 10, 9, that if you believe, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And Acts 2, 38, repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to do that today, to believe and confess Jesus, to repent and be baptized? and start that forever life right now. Let's pray about that. If you're somebody who's not confident, pray this with me. Say, Lord, I, uh, I have not been pleasing you. I know that. I've kind of drifted away. I've been doubting and all that, but I want to come back home. So please forgive me for, for falling back into sin, for failing you. Thank you for loving me, for forgiving me. My goal is, is now to please you from now on. I, I want to I want to be living every day ready for death or for your return at any moment. And Father, help us to be confident in our salvation, to face death with confidence, to, to be ready for what awaits. If you're somebody right now who you're, you're ready to follow Jesus, call out to him and say, I believe Jesus is your son, the risen Lord. I want him to be my savior. I repent of my sin. I'm, I'm sorry for the bad I've done in this life, in this body. And I want to accept your gift of forgiveness and eternal life and the Holy Spirit because I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, if you're ready to make that decision, would you reach out to us, let us help you with that, answer your questions, pray with you, whatever your need is. As always, text your name to the number you see on screen or email us. Even better, if you're here on site, meet with us up here at the front right after the service. Grab one of us out in the hallway and say, I'm ready to make the best decision ever. Or could you help me with this issue? Could you pray with me? Or I'm ready to get baptized today. We got everything you need. We got towels and robes and clothes and hair dryers. You can start that brand new life today. Next week, we're going to continue in 2 Corinthians 5. More good stuff. We're going to talk about being ambassadors on a desperate diplomatic mission. And I hope that you'll invite others to be here. So I will see you then. 
either here, there, or in the air. 